All right, turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6. This is a familiar passage. Sometimes, as preachers, are called to remind you. So, if you don't hear anything new, that's fine. Consider yourself reminded. We need reminded. Why? Because we forget. Or we don't call it to the front of our mind. Y'all, have, We have a lot of back burners, right? Sometimes I got some back burners so far back, I don't even know they're there. And it takes the Lord to bring it back to the front, bring it to the, you know, that's what the Holy Spirit will do. Right? He calls your attention back to the Word, back to Jesus Christ, back to the things that are good and right and profitable. And so we need the Holy Spirit now to draw us towards the Lord in our head. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, He it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now, y'all know the context of this. Moses, he's old. He's 120. He has fought his race. He's about to die. He messed up. He's not going to be allowed to go into Canaan. He was told to speak to the rock that second time, and he popped off and said, Must we fetch you water, you rebels? And he smote the rock with a stick when he'd been told to spoke to it. He made it about him. He sinned, and so for that, he was not allowed to go into the land of Canaan. He could see it from afar off on the top of the mountain, but then he's going to expire. So he's given a final charge to this people that he's not going to be there to lead anymore. So he's talking to the people, and he's talking to Joshua. You don't want to be the guy who follows after Moses? Yeah. Poor Joshua. Well, what's the message? Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Y'all, do you ever get fearful? Yeah, we do. Yes. Should we? No. Why? For the Lord, thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. I don't care who you're listening to out there. Left of the spectrum, right of the spectrum, whatever. One of the ways that folks get you to listen to them is fear. Fear sells. Fear motivates. What has God told you not to do? Fear. It is easier to manipulate somebody and lead them away that you want them to do. If they're fearful of something, some problem, and you propose to them, well, here's a solution. Okay? But God is with you. And not just any God, not just kind of far off God. What kind of God? The Lord, thy God. Your God. Isn't that kind of bold that we can even claim that? That we can even say that? That's, that's, a, that's a possessor. He's, he's our God. Not just the God. Thy God. That is the personal interest that you have in God. Because of the love that he's put upon you before the foundation of the world, before you existed, he knew you by name and said, that one's mine. And I'm going to give him to my son and he's going to be redeemed. 
because he's wicked and he's vile, but I want him to be with me anyway. And the son was obedient to the father and came into the world and suffered and bled, led a sinless life, and voluntarily laid down his life for each of those children. And he's going to get everything that he paid for, and he's promised that he's coming back. He's currently sitting, ruling and reigning, whether the heathen in this world recognize it or not. And one day he's going to come back in a visible form, and it's not going to be any secret. Every eye is going to behold, and every tongue's going to confess. That's the Lord! And it's the same Lord that's reigning right now. And that's thy God that loves you so much and is going to come back and bring you to be where he is. Now, do you have to fear right now? No! One, because he told you not to. And two, he's big enough to handle it. So be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not. Now, in case you missed it, it says it again. Nor be afraid. I like how the Bible will repeat things for us. Sometimes we're thick-headed. <laughs> Brother, Brother Bryce Lawrence was preaching in Psalm 47. He was about singing. He was, you know, singing school instructor. He's, got, he's, he's pushing a point. We're to sing. You know how many times it says sing praises in that psalm? Like five in a row. Sing praises. Sing praises of the God. Sing praises. Sing praises of thy king. Sing praises. We thick. Sing! <laughs> Fear not, nor be afraid. It doesn't just stop there, though. It doesn't say, well, just buck up. It'll be okay. No, it says, Fear not, for. Here's the reason. For the Lord, L O R D, all caps, Jehovah, the eternal God, thy God, the almighty God, the Elohim, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Is God going to abandon his children? No. How many folks out in the world who know a little bit about God and know a little bit about Christ think that they can be abandoned or that they can abandon him? What a sad, sad, sad way to exist. What a scary way to exist. What a fearful way to exist. Fear not. Fear not, nor be afraid. For the Lord thy God, he it is that go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Are times dark? Yeah! I'd be lying to you if I said they weren't. But do you have to be afraid? No. Will you be afraid sometimes? You will. But we need to be like David. Remember when Ziklag, he went home, his town was ransacked, all the wives and children are gone, his men are so upset, they're ready, they, they need somebody to, to hit, right? We're ready to stone David, he's the leader, we, if we would have been here, what'd he do? He encouraged himself in the Lord. In the Lord. Not in any man-made solution. Not in a political solution. Not in the hope that they'll, they'll come this, this, this healing, if it's a physical issue, whatever. It's, just, it's not the here and the now that strengthens you. It's the eternal. It's the bigger. It's thy God. 
if you're looking for strength and security and refuge in anything here, you're going to be disappointed. That's sinking sand. That's not going to last. But the Lord thy God and His promises and His word, that's stable. So in times of trouble, where do you go? You go to the Word. You go look at the Lord. You behold His beauty and His revealed Word and you let that Holy Spirit teach you and draw you close to Him. The Lord, it is He that goeth with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. New Testament, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. 1 Corinthians 16, and 13. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Let all things be done with charity. Man, you want a charge for your day? A charge for your life? A charge for a young man who wants to marry your daughter? Charge for a pastor, a charge for a father, a charge for a husband, a charge for a sister. Here's your charge. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Don't depart from the faith. Don't, don't wander off of the deceptions of men. The sleight of hand, the cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to the sea. You ever seen a street musician? They're doing all sorts of stuff. Oh, it looks like magic. What's, what's really going on? Sleight of hand, right? And if you're not rooted and grounded in the truth... You can be impressed and led away from the truth. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men. Charges in the Old Testament of quitting yourself like men. It means be brave, be courage, be courageous, be strong and of good courage, right? That's that's New Testament. Quit you like men, be strong. Why can you why? Because the Lord thy God's with thee. He's not going to leave thee, he's not going to forsake thee. Be strong in the power of your own might. No, Ephesians, putting on the armor of God. Be, be strong in the might of the Lord. Drawing close to Him and let all your things be done with charity. Now, when I spoke this message Friday morning, I had at least 20-something preachers sitting there. And so my charge to them was to not get discouraged, to not get beaten down, to not be uh, frustrated that you feel like your labors are going and you don't see any fruit, but to continue to be strong and to quit yourself like men. Because the charge that we've been given as pastors, as teachers, and ministers of the gospel, is worth it. It's a high and noble calling. Is it hard? Yeah. <laughs> But we need to quit ourselves like men. That's true for pastors. That's true for each child of God. Okay? You don't know who's looking up to you. Who's looking for you, for example. What are you getting strength from? If you're getting strength from the Word and drawing close to the Lord and someone's watching you, man, you can be an encouragement to them. And when we're down in the mully grubs, and we're focusing on the things of the world and all the things that are going wrong. And we're like Peter, we're looking at the storm, we're starting to sink. Man, we could be a bad example. Be strong in the Lord. Be of good courage. Watch ye, stay alert. This is not put your head in the sand. This is not remove yourself from all people. You can't. 
You're not going to be a very effective witness of Christ if you're trying to seclude yourself off from everybody. But that doesn't mean jump in the ball pit either. Right? We can be in the world without engaging in the world's activities and not pursuing the lust of the flesh and the pride of the eyes. So, what's the most profitable thing we can be doing regardless of our interaction? Sharing the gospel. Y'all, we should be sharing the gospel. Preacher used an illustration. He said, you know, if your child is out here on the highway, standing in the middle of the road, and here comes the big 18-wheeler, and somebody dashes over and pushes your child out of the way and then gets plowed in by the 18-wheeler, you going to be talking about that person for the rest of your life? Yeah! Why? Because they saved your child. I mean, that's what a sacrifice and what great thing came from that and how noble and how wonderful. That's not something that's just going to be glossed over. I mean, every Thanksgiving you get together, you, did, you, did you, right? Y'all know where I'm going with this. Is Christ's sacrifice better? Yes. Way better. That illustration, that child will eventually grow up and die. Because of Christ's sacrifice, all of his children will never die. Our bodies may go to sleep for a time. Our souls will be with the Lord. But we will have eternal life with Him in glory by this sacrifice. How noble! How tragic that the Son of God, God Himself, will come down and take on flesh for wretched, vile, disgusting, abhorrent sinners. That's kind of hard, preacher. That's kind of true, sinner. Talking about me too. But that makes the love even grander. And yet we clam up. It's easy to talk about Georgia football, right? Excuse me, Alabama football. (laughs) Whatever. We're at SEC country. It's easy to talk about those things. Man, we can talk about the weather like nobody's business. Is it going to rain? Oh, it's raining too much. We need the rain. Now we need to stop. Let's get the hay in, right? It's easy to talk about those things. We're comfortable talking about those things. We're confident about those things. We have a lot of knowledge sometimes about those things. And yet when it comes to the thing, we clamor up, clam up, like a bunch of scared kindergarten children. Well, I just I just don't know enough to be able to share about the Lord. That's a sad testimony, and that's a sad testament. If that's your excuse, go study! Go learn! If you don't understand enough about what Christ has done for you to be able to articulate it to someone, I'm not saying you have to be a preacher. Sisters, you're not called to be preachers. But every one of us has a ministry. Every one of us has a service. Wherever you are, you have an opportunity to share what great things God has done for you and what mercies He's shown for you. And that revolves around Jesus Christ. 
He could do the most wonderful thing in my temporal life, and that does not compare to what he has already done. And we've got to talk about it. Because he's worthy of it. We'll come in here with folks that we know think the same thing, and we'll sing praises, and we'll sometimes talk about it at lunch. Maybe we talk about donuts or, <laughs> or what's for dessert. Right? Even there, sometimes we get to the superficial conversations. But what's the weightier thing? What's the meatier thing? What's going to feed your soul? What's going to be an encouragement to those who are out? What's that, that sincere milk of the Word that should be spewing forth out of us because we know it so much and we love it? In Ephesians chapter 6 and in verse 19, after the armor of God, where Paul is admonished, My brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put Him on the whole armor of God that you be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Right? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Your enemies, not men. You know what God told you to do with men? Love them. What if they hate me? Love them. What if they abuse me? Love them. Do good to them. Pray for them. What if they're cursing me out? Bless them. Your battle's not against men. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. What do we wrestle against? Unseen. Principalities. These are structures that you can't see or understand. Principalities, powers against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness at high places. That's who you're warring against. That's why all of this armor involves your heart and your head. This is not physical armor. I've got to strap on so I can go hurt a physical person. This is, this is so you can stand fast against the wiles of the devil. Doing all that he can do to trip you up in that evil day, you still stand. Stand fast in the faith. Having your loins girded with truth, that belt of truth so you're not tripped up by your robes, right? Your Truth should be wrapped around you. Where's truth? Well, Jesus is truth. Where do you learn about Jesus? His word. Having on the breastplate of righteousness, right? This armor to guard your heart. It is much easier to go up against someone who's lying and, and saying all manner of evil against you if you know none of it's true and you've been trying to live righteously. Whereas if they're accusing of things and you've got other things that are going on, it's kind of like, oh, I've got half the armor. That breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It doesn't just say the gospel of peace. The preparation. We should be prepared to speak of the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ and the peace that came down to earth. And the peace that was purchased by his blood. That you now have peace between the Father and yourself by him. You should be prepared to speak on that. How do you get prepared? In His Word! Above all things, taking on the shield of faith, wherewith you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, the helmet of the salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's what I get, want to get to. The sentence hasn't ended. Praying always with prayer and supplication. So... You're praying without ceasing, right? That constant prayer, praying your worship, your devotion to God, your supplications, that's your petitions, right? Praying in the Spirit, that Spirit that gives you one access to the Father, 
watching thereunto, right? Watch, stand fast, quit you like men, watching thereunto, watching to those prayers with all diligence, perseverance and diligence, supplication and making all supplication for all saints. So you're praying for those beyond yourself. Supplication, petitions for all saints and for me. That's what I want. And for me. That utterance may be given unto me. This is the Apostle Paul requesting that he would be given utterance, the ability to speak clearly, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Now, if the Apostle Paul needed prayer that he could open his mouth and boldly speak the truth of the mystery of the gospel, what do you think you and I need to be praying for as well? That both of us... (laughs) Ten-finger preaching, right? That we would open our mouths and boldly teach and preach and declare the mystery of the gospel. For a long time, it was a mystery to everybody. It was secret. It was the hidden thing of God, and then he's revealed it. Now it's a mystery to a lot of folks because they're just ignorant. And we ain't helping the matter when we don't say anything. When we keep our conversation, I cannot interact individually with everyone that you interact with in life. I can't. You each have people that you interact with who I'll never meet. And it's not my job as a preacher to be the only one to spare the gospel. Now, if you meet somebody and they're interested and you get going and you want me to come in and have a Bible study and prayer meeting with them, I'll do it! But we've got to be planting those seeds wherever we are. Well, what if somebody disagrees with me? Okay. Someone was sharing testimony of an old brother who invited more people to church and had more people show up. He said, how do you do it? He says, well... One person out of about every 300 I invite shows up. <laughs> if you've ever been in sales, that makes sense, right? Who makes the most sales? The guy who does the most calls. Now, here's the thing. I'm not putting the pressure on you to save anybody's soul. That's Christ's arena. But little sheep of the Lord living in fear because they ain't been taught or they've been taught badly. And Christ loves them. As much as he loves you, and he's commanded you, me, to love his sheep as much as he loves them. What better way can you love them by telling them the truth of the gospel? Plainly, I'm not saying give a four-hour sermon. Please don't. Eyes will glass over. You might be arrested. No, you can do a four-hour sermon. Great, go for it. But the idea is learn, prepare, study, find some simple ways that you, you you that you know in advance that you're not having to just go off the cuff. Go over to Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter one. We'll start in verse 6. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul writing to young preacher Timothy. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. He had 
He had been given the gift, the charge, the responsibility to preach the gospel. He'd been charged to do it in some really hard situations. Young preacher, I'm going to leave you behind at Ephesus. You've got to charge those other young preachers who, they may be older than you, that they preach no other doctrine. They do not follow cunningly devised fables or endless genealogies. You've got to teach them to stand fast and hold the truth. It says, stir up the gift which is in thee, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. All right, this, this fear. Don't be afraid to talk. Don't be afraid to declare what Jesus has done. You can't change the hearts of those that are listening. I'm not saying that's within your power. But one for whom the Lord has changed their hearts, when the gospel comes unto them, it comes unto them in, in, in power and in truth and the power of the Holy Ghost. Trust Him with the results. But we've got to open our mouth. Power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. When the Lord opens doors for us to minister to people and share them the gospel, and we chicken out, we're ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Heaven help us, we're ashamed. Is there anything to be ashamed of? Not a bit. And yet we fail to open our mouth. y'all agree that Jesus is the best teacher ever? Best preacher ever? Best man ever? So if the best preacher ever is declaring the truth and not everybody hears and believes him, do we have any right to be discouraged if people don't hear and believe us? Well, I'm just going to quit. I mean, I told four people in a row and they laughed in my face. I'm done. Are you better at teaching and preaching and declaring the gospel than Jesus Christ himself? No. <laughs> so don't be discouraged. Don't be ashamed. Don't let past track record. Don't even worry about keeping the record. You've been given one more day. That's all you're given. Tomorrow is certainly not promised. You know? Talk about, oh, what midlife, midlife crisis. How do you know when your midlife is? My midlife could have been 20 years ago, and I could be expired tomorrow. I've got one more day. And he's bought me and paid for me to be his servant to glorify him. Ought I ought to use it to the best of my ability today, looking for those opportunities and praying, Lord, open those doors of opportunity where I can minister to your sheep. Lord, I'm not particularly interested in the goats, but I can't identify them, so you just send me the sheep, if you will. In the meantime, I'll minister to whoever comes through. 
open those doors and then Lord open my mouth and my heart mm, right loving's hard that's why I can't call it labor and love there's effort there's toil there's a giving of self it's self sacrificial right it hurts to care y'all we can't be good followers of Christ if we don't care alright keeping everybody at arm's distance doing the Heisman right? stay away from me that's not very loving. Maybe a good football move, but it's not for loving as Christ loved. What did that what did I think I mentioned this, but what did Jesus tell that wild Gadarean? He wanted to go with Jesus, he wanted to follow Jesus. What better thing do you think he could ask for? Lord, let me be with you. But he said no. He said, you go back to your friends and your family and you declare what great things God hath done for you and tell of the mercies that He's shown you. Said, well, the Lord hasn't done any miraculous thing. I wasn't plagued with a legion of demons. I wasn't naked in the graveyard and now I'm clothed in my right mind. He's done a greater work in you you were dead. Dead, dead. Not a little bit dead, not recently dead, not on the gurney dead, like shock them dead. No, you were like trying to give CPR to a skeleton. Dead. And he made you alive. You had no relationship to the Father when you were dead. All you were was carnal meat, flesh, chasing the things of this world, seeking them with all your might. And he gave you life. He's done that. If you know who Jesus is, if you've seen him with the eye of faith, if you love him, if you have a desire to please him, if any of those things are true, it's because you're alive. You have a testimony. That's a great thing that Christ has done for you. And then you get to say, why did he do it? Because of his own sovereign will, he chose to love me. Not because I was good. Not because I was better, but in spite of me. And that his word says he's going to show mercy on whom he will show mercy. And his righteousness, he didn't have to show me mercy. And yet he did anyway. You have a testimony. And it focuses on Jesus Christ. And his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and he is reigning. And guess what? He's coming back. What has he done? What does that look like in my life? What am I looking forward to? Why can you go through those hard times and be stable when everyone else seems to be falling apart? Because of what he's done, and what he's doing right now, and what he's going to do. And those are things that need to be shared. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 14 speak to that. But and if you suffer for righteousness sake. This is if you're doing the right thing, you're serving God and you're getting persecuted anyway. Happy are ye and be not afraid of their terror neither be troubled. Remember fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Be of good courage. Neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God 
in your heart. Sanctify. Set him apart as holy. Right? Hallowed be thy name. Lord, let, let your name be holy in my heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That means I'm living a life where even when I'm being persecuted for doing the right thing, people still see I've got a hope within me. And I'm ready to answer. Why? Why can I go through this? Where I'm getting my teeth kicked in because I'm trying to follow God and serve Him faithfully and I'm getting punished for it. Why can I still have a hope? Right? Because guess what? If, if your only hope of Christ is in this world and what you can gather and glean and get health, wealth, and prosperity, if that's your only hope in Christ, you're miserable. But the truth of who He is and what He's done and what He's doing for me that gives me that stability, that solid rock that I've built my life upon so you can bring the worst hurricane, the worst tornado, whatever, the worst disaster, take it all away. Job had everything taken away. All of his children at once. All of his wealth. His health. The respect of his wife. I mean, she, got, she was a discourager at that point. She's just, just go ahead and curse God and die. What are you doing? Basically calling him a fool for continuing to maintain his integrity. And yet the Lord is with him the whole way. Now, he taught him some things. And in the end, and I think this is typified of our heavenly experience, Job was blessed more in the end. Right? All the afflictions and trials of this life are going to be counted as nothing. You know, that little bit of dust on the scale versus Mount Everest. <laughs> Doesn't even register. Ever do chemistry and you're trying to get the, the scale to balance and try and get it just right? You got a little something on there and it's thrown off. Wouldn't even register. You don't even have to zero it out. All the affliction. So be strong and of good courage, but be ready to answer. And that means somebody's asking us which means they're seeing how we're living, which should look different than the rest of the world. Guess what? If you look, act, and smell just like the rest of the world, you know what you are? Woo! Why would anybody come and ask you, what's weird with you? Something else Brother Bryce Lawrence said. He said, embrace your weirdness. <laughs> Don't conform to the world. Be transformed to the image of the Lord. He's our model. He's, you, know, you want peer pressure? Peer pressure me to be more like Christ. Yeah, that's kind of what the church does. Right? Encouraging one another, provoking one another to good works, to holiness. Well, I just I don't, know, don't know the gospel. I don't know how to, to boil it down. Get a cheat sheet. Find a single verse that kind of jumps off of how about how about first Timothy three sixteen? First Timothy three sixteen. This is right after he's told them a lot about how they should behave themselves in the house of God and what kind of leaders they should choose out to be pastors and deacons. He says and without controversy Great is the mystery of godliness. It means there's no arguing this is a big deal. No one's arguing this is a 
big deal. The mystery of godliness, the whole gospel scheme, what Christ has done, that was a complete mystery, and now it's been, in many ways, revealed. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Whoa, is that the gospel summarized down into one verse? Do you understand everything about that? Me neither. It's a mystery of the gospel. We could spend our lives studying and trying to unpack that fully, but what is, what, about, what is that for a great launching pad? Jesus Christ is God. He's come down in the flesh. He's fully God. He's fully man. Can you explain that? No, it's never happened before. There's nothing to compare it to. It's amazing. He was shown to be just, right? He was without fault. He was that perfect, sinless lamb, and yet he laid down in all the sins of his people. Like in those Old Testament sacrifices we were looking at, where the hands are laid upon the head of that animal, and all there's a, there's a, there's a transference of you're going to take the blow for this. And he took the blow for everybody. Scene of angels. Wow. Not only seen before, Jesus is eternal. He's God. The angels saw him. And then they saw something radically different. And they had to come and minister to him. Isn't that wild? That God the Father sent angels to minister to the Son of Man, the Son of God, that body that was hungry, 40 days fasting, tempted by Satan, and then the angels came and ministered to him, strengthened to him. In the garden before the crucifixion, he's praying and pouring out great drops of sweat, so much it looks like blood. God sent an angel to minister to his son. Scene of angels. The God-man, the one who feels your infirmities, who took upon the weight and pressure of all of our sins and then went into the wrath of the Father for you? Preached on unto the Gentiles. Whew, aren't you glad that's in there? I don't think we have any natural Jews right now. In the room, maybe watching online. But in addition to natural Israel, that the family of God includes spiritual Israel, the Gentiles, all of one family, that wall of partition where it was, you were either a descendant of Abraham or you were not. And even some of the descendants of Abraham were not of the right line. And so you were not. Edom, sorry. Right? Ishmael, sorry. Now there is revealed to be one family of God. Right? Brothers and sisters, regardless of what they look like, where they're from, what their paperwork is, it doesn't matter. One family of God. And he was preached on to them, and he's preached on to you and to me. He was boldly declared, and he was believed on in the world. And that still goes on today. Isn't that amazing? This is not a dead religion. One, our leader's alive. His followers in every generation continue to believe on him. Why? Because we're all suckers? No, because the Holy Spirit. That God continues to send his Holy Spirit to his children in generation after generation after generation. And he was received up into glory. You've got the ascension. He's going, he went back up into heaven. And the angel says, the same manner in which he went, he's going to come back. And he's going to have a trump. It's going to be so loud. And a shout, it's not going to be secret, it's not going to be hidden. 
The Lord is going to come back and He's going to gather His own to Him. Is that so hard? Is that so hard to say? Say, Brother Johnny, you, you prepared. No, I wrote 1 Peter 3, or 1 Timothy 3, 16. Now, should we prepare? Yes! Think about it, pray about it, study on it, but have the idea that I'm an ambassador here. You know what ambassadors do? They represent the wishes of the government at home. You know who the government at home is? God, Jesus Christ. He's your king. He's your sovereign. Go on a public relations campaign for him. He's worthy of being bragged on. You can't brag on him enough. You know, politicians, they brag on themselves and they rapidly get beyond the coloring lines, right? Where it's, here's the truth and then, you got that, you know, Harold with a purple crayon just going crazy. You can't get bigger than God. You can't get bigger than the sacrifice of His Son. If anything, we tend to minimize it and act like it's not that big of a deal and get more hyped up as if a child was saved in the highway than one man delivering all of his people and in a massive number the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people the myriad of his children throughout all the ages at one time and that God himself allowed himself to die that body to go into a grave and be held there for three days and three nights until he burst forth declaring his victory. He'd already won it. Satan probably thought he'd had a pretty good three-day weekend. I mean, think about that from Satan's perspective. Didn't think that would work. <laughs> wow, I win. No, Bubba, you lost and you don't even know it. And so now he's on a short leash, right? He's a roving lion, seeing to whom he can trap and trip up and devour, but he can't consume you. He can't pluck you out of the Father's hands. You're secured. Fear not! Be of good courage! Be strong! Don't be afraid! Be strong in the power of the might of the God that loves you! And always will. This is a message for our time. There is a lot of fear out there. And a lot of people intentionally manipulating others with fear. Give the truth. Take up your sword of the Spirit and boldly declare and utter the praises of Jesus Christ because He's worthy. Oh, I shouldn't be punching my Bible. I'll punch over here. Punch my notes. He's worthy. This is a message that's needed. And as much as I'm looking at y'all, it's for me too. I should stop being such a coward and open my face. If we can hoop and holler and get excited when our team scores a touchdown, oh, hey, we got a victory. Do we have a better victory? Infinitely better. 
What should excite us when we wake up this morning? What do we have to rejoice in every morning? The same thing. That there is a God in heaven and He has said, I can call Him Father. And He calls me Son. And I have an elder brother in heaven who calls me friend. And that He loves me. And that I get to be here to be His representative. To serve Him. Not to serve myself anymore like when I was dead. But that which was dead is now alive! And there's some rejoicing to do when there's life. Be strong. Be of good courage. We'll get you with one more. First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8. First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8. Now, let's go up to 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. As ye know what manner of men we were among you for our sakes. I'm declaring the word. It was coming to you in power and I was living a life that was godly that was matching up with what I was saying. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, most importantly, because we're following the Lord. That's why the only reason you should say, follow me is because I'm going after him. Right? Come and see. Come and see the man that's told me everything ever I did. Right? That was what the, the woman at the well did. Was she a great preacher? <laughs> but did she go declare, Jesus Christ, He's here. Come and see. You became followers of us and the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. Oh, even though you've had hard times that came with the word? Yeah, you did. How'd you receive it? With joy of the Holy Ghost so that somebody could ask you, what's the hope you've got? Well, let me tell you, I'm ready to answer. So that ye were examples or insamples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Macedonia is the region around Thessalonica. And Achaia is the north. It's a bigger region around that. So that's like saying you were examples not only around the city that you're at, Thessalonica, not only the city of Tipton, but you were an example for southeast Georgia. Or you were an example for the SEC country, right? It gets bigger. Right? How does this one individual little church have such an impact? It's because they're living it out in their life and people see. And it's coming out of their mouth. And from you, this is not to the preacher, this is to the church. And from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. He says, Man, I can go to a new town. They've already heard about you. He said, I don't even have to say anything. No, I'm sure Paul did say something. <laughs> but still, you'd see, we are a little, itty-bitty, local, rural church. So, from us can sound out the word of the Lord. Does mean we need to take up billboards? I bet they didn't. But from their mouths, from their hearts, and from their lives, it was all consistent. Faith unfeigned. You know what that means? Faith is not faked. Come on Sunday morning, your faith consists of sitting here for 90 minutes, and that's your, your religious service for the week. That doesn't sound real pure. That sounds like a pretense. Our faith should permeate 
our lives. Soak it in. So much so that we're like a ringing rag and whenever we're around, we're just kind of ringing out. And it's just like, the glory of God is flowing around us. Not to make you look good, right? That's what the fake fame does. I want to look good. But people think I'm religious. But people think what they want, but let God be glorified. Let me glorify God with my life. Let you glorify God with your life. Let His name be hallowed in my lips and let it be on my lips. Outside of your prayers, how often do you speak of your Lord? I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. And I don't really talk about him or think about him. Shame on us. The song of I want to love him more. I, I can identify with that one more. I want to love him more. I do. Help me to love him more and help me to act out that love. And help you to love him more and act out that love. Act upon that love. Glorify him in our lives. The Lord bless you. May we bless him.